at Freedom Church. Very, very pumped, very excited, very humbled um, to be here today and just worship with each and every one of you. Before we dive into the message today, I got two things I want to point out that are very important for next Sunday, next Sunday when we get together. One is next Sunday we are going to be taking questions from you that's going to help us with a series that we're going to do this summer called Family Vacation. Is anyone going on a family vacation this summer? You already got one planned? And some of us, okay. Anybody would like to maybe remove the family part of vacation and say, hey, I can take the kids. It's okay to be honest. I'm like, yeah, the kids can stay and I'll go vacation somewhere else. So this series, I'm pumped and I'm excited about it because Family Vacation Series, what it is, you're going to ask the question. Basically, you are going to drive the series. So we are going to take your questions in May. You're going to vote on them. So we'll, we'll post them. You're going to vote. These are going to be things that nothing, nothing's really off limits. But what do you want to know about the Bible? What do you want to know about God? What do you want to know about life? Or here's what, something that's going on in my marriage. Anything. You want a topic or a question, you're going to submit it, then we'll vote on them. June, I'll prepare the messages, and in July, we will have our family vacation series. It's going to be fun, and, and, and I think it might be one of the most powerful ones in the, in the series. Why? Because I want a church that doesn't just talk about what I want to talk about. Like, what's on your brain? What do you want to know? Let's talk about those things. I'm not afraid to talk about anything. Bible talks about anything regarding life. So that's next week. That's number one. Number two for next week, as far as uh, things that are going on, is um, we're starting a new series called Steps to Victory. And we're going to look at the book of Joshua. If you don't know anything about Joshua, that's fine. We'll, we'll walk through it. But in, in, that, in that book of Joshua, the first six chapters, the nation of Israel is going to be taking, um, going into the promised land. God's like, hey, I promised you this land. You're going to go and you're going to take it. But guess what? He didn't just give it to them. They had to take some steps, and there were some obstacles in the way, and they had to take some steps of faith. They were like, hey, God, I thought you were just going to give this to us. So steps to victory. They had victory, but they had to take some steps of faith, and that's what we're about at Freedom Church. We are all about helping people take the next step in their relationship with Jesus together. That's what we're about, because we know when you take your next step with Jesus, you get a better glimpse of who God is. And when you find God, you find freedom. When you, when you get a taste of who God is, for non-Christian or even a Christian, you take that step of faith, you get a better view of who God is, how much He loves you, how much He values you, and you, you find that freedom. But it's not easy. In a way, you have to go and take that step. So, next week, new series. That's important, because some of us are going to take some steps today. We're going to take some steps today. But we, we, need, we need to understand how to walk in that freedom and walk in that victory. So that's, that's next week. It's, it's two big things that are, that are happening next week. Now today, um, we're going to be looking at who Jesus is. And he, this, this idea of whoever finds God finds freedom, it's not a white break thing. It's not a freedom church thing. It's, it's a Jesus thing. He, he said it like this in John chapter 8. He was talking to some Jewish people, some Jewish leaders, he says, whoever, whoever obeys my teachings, whoever follows me, whoever takes that next step of faith, he says, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. When you take your next step, Jesus says, you're going to be set free. Now, the guys that he was talking to at that time, they're like, wait a minute, we're going to be set free. Um, I don't see any chains on me. I'm not in slavery. What, what's going on? Why, why? 
We're free, man. What are you talking about? And so Jesus continues this dialogue with them in, in, in chapter 8. And this is where Jesus kind of trips me up a little bit. Because I'd be like, Jesus, you're, you're kind of getting these guys riled up, kind of calming down, maybe you know, smooth things over. And Jesus, he just, he just presses their buttons, right? You can, re- you can read it. He says, um, you're not, your father's not God. He said, your father is the devil. He's like, you're a son of a devil. <laughs> and he just like pushes it right in their face. And it's like, oh, man. So they're kind of having this conversation in John chapter 8 where he says, if you, you know the truth and the truth will set you free, what are you talking about, man? We're already free. And then he just presses on. And, and what I want to pick up today is in verse 51. I'm going to read through it. You can have it in your, in your, uh, in your Bibles. It's on the Bible app. Um, or it's going to be up on the screen. But then he goes in verse 51. He says, anyone who obeys my teaching will never die. First, it was, if, it, if you obey my teachings, if you follow me, you're going to know the truth, and the truth will set you free. He says, hey, if you obey my teachings, you'll never die. So, they said, now we know you're possessed by a demon. So he had said, early, if you read it, he said, hey, your father's the devil, and then they're like, no, you're, 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 you're of the devil. You're demon-possessed. He says, even Abraham... And the prophets die. But you say, anyone who obeys my teaching will never die? Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died, so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? As I prepped the message today, God really laid it on my heart not to teach points. Point one, point two, point three. But to, to make this a moment where we all answer one question. Whether you call yourself a Christian here today or not, God laid it on my heart for everybody in here to answer one question. Who is Jesus? Who do you think you are, Jesus? Who is he? It's the question we all must answer. So today is an internal investigation with eternal consequences for every single one of us. To look honestly into your soul, to say, who is Jesus? Even Jesus had to answer that question. Who are you, Jesus? Who do you think you are? And he gave an answer. He said, if I want glory for myself, it doesn't count. But it is my Father who will glorify me. You say He is our God, but you don't even know Him. Pause right there. You say He is our God. You can say, I know God, but that doesn't mean that you know Him. You can go to church your whole life. That does not mean you know God. You could, you could preach up here. You could teach a Bible study. You could read your Bible. You could pray. But that does not mean you know God. It's not an up here thing. It's in your heart. It's in your soul. It's at the core of who you are. These guys, these guys were the leaders of the church in that day. These guys had the first five books of the Bible memorized. They knew God and Jesus. God is looking at them in the face saying, you don't know you don't know. 
He says, I know him, and if I said otherwise, I'd be as great a liar as you. But I do know him, and I obey him. Your father Abraham rejoiced as he looked forward to my coming. He saw it and was glad. The people said, you're not even 50 years old, dude. <laughs> How can you say that you have seen Abraham? And Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. Before Abraham was even born, I am. At that point, they picked up some stones to throw at him. But Jesus was hidden from them and left the temple. They weren't picking up stones to be nice. They were trying to kill him at that point. Because when Jesus answered their question, Who do you think you are, Jesus? Who are you, Jesus? He said, I am. Which was a direct reference back to Exodus, where Moses meets God, and God has a calling on Moses' life, and, and God says to Moses, Hey, you are going to lead the nation of Israel out of Egypt, out of slavery, and into freedom, and into the promised land. And Moses is like, uh, no, you got the wrong guy. And they, they kind of have this back and forth. It's in Exodus chapter 3. You can see it for yourself, and I would encourage you to do so. But, but Moses says, okay, I will do this, but who do I tell them that sent me? Who, who, who are you? I'll go do it, but who are you? And God answered Moses with, who are you? With, I am. Tell them, I am sent you. God is what you need. He's like, I am what you need. I know what you need. I can be what you need in every season of your life. God says, I am. I just am everything that you need. And for some of us in here today, we need to understand that we often get sidetracked and try to find the things that we need in life in other things, in created things. Jesus said, before Abraham, I am, which was saying, I am God, pre-existence. They're like, you're not even 50 years old. I am. I am. I've existed before time. I am everything. No thing, no created thing, no created person can fulfill the role of creator in your life. And we will do that with relationships. We will, we will hey, I need you to be what I, what I need in this season. And people can maybe do that for moments. Or maybe a season in your life, but they will desperately fall short. No, your, your degrees that you have, your job, your career, your money, different things that we are success. We will try to find what we need in those things. And maybe for a, a moment of time, that high or whatever will, will fulfill the need. But we all know, you all know that they all fall short when we try to put something else in the place of what God was supposed to be. I am what you need at every point. Jesus claimed to be God. That's why in, in, in Luke, I love it when we read it in the worship time where it says, why are you looking for the living among the dead? There are things in our life that are good, 
but they will not satisfy what God has supposed to be the one to satisfy. And sometimes we're looking for the things that are living amongst the dead. You might even say, okay, okay, wait, wait, wait. Jesus claimed to be God, but who even needs God, Mike? Like, we are in 2018. Who even needs God? Haven't we got this all figured out? Stephen Hawking just passed away a few weeks ago. Brilliant mind. Uh, brilliant scientist. He said this. He said this. He said, before we understand science in our life, it's natural to believe that God created the universe. But now science offers a more convincing explanation. He also said in another interview, he says, I regard the brain as a computer which will stop working when its components fail. There is no heaven or afterlife or, or, or broken down computers. That's a fairy tale story for people afraid of the dark. Is he right? Who, who is Jesus? Do we, even, do we even need God? Have we got them all figured out? It's, a, it's an important question. Maybe. Maybe. But here's what I know. Here's what I know. Whether you, whether you don't believe in God, or whether maybe you believe in God, but he's so distant that he does, he's, he's far off and he doesn't care about you personally. He asked the question, who needs God? Here's what I know. You hope not. Because nobody, nobody lives like that. that. That you're just science. That all you are is just biology. You're just a clump of cells that just get activated for 60 or 70 years and then you just cease to exist when you're components fail. You don't, you don't live like that. I had a student one time say, um, well then I must be one sexy clump of cells that got together. Nobody lives like that. If you live in a godless world, if you believe in that, the natural logical conclusion of that, not only is there no you, like you don't exist, you're just a bunch of cells, but there's no such thing as value. It, it, it's just made up. There's no value. There's, but you don't live like that, do you? You don't live like you have no value. If you have kids, you don't live like they don't have any value. There's also, in a godless world, there's no justice. There's no such thing as justice. Again, just like value, it's all made up. You have your justice when we're wrong. I have my justice when I'm wrong. But then you have rich person justice. You have majority rules justice. You have Nazi justice. You have ISIS justice. And who's right? Who gets to say? In a godless world, that's the logical conclusion. And it's just depressing if you actually go and look at it. And here's what I know. Because even everybody, everybody, even if you say you don't believe that, you don't live that way. You don't live like you don't have any value. You don't live like there's no you. You don't live like there's no justice. Your only hope, your only hope is God. Which brings us back to Jesus. 
Because we may not be able to quite check the atheist box. Ah, I don't know if I like that. But who's Jesus? Who are you, Jesus? Who are you? Jesus asked his, his disciples in Mark chapter 8, said, Hey, who do people say that I am? Who do you guys, who do you guys say, who, who do people say that I am? They said, well, some say John the Baptist. Some say you're one of the prophets. And he said, ah, I'm not worried about what they say. Who do you say that I am? The question that we all must answer today, the question that God's placed on my heart to ask you, who do you say Jesus is? Who is Jesus? Jesus said, I am about a lot of things. He says, I'm the light of the world. I'm the bread of life. I'm living water. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the gate. I'm the resurrection. He also said, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He claimed to be God, but he also claimed to be the only way to be made right with God. You might say, well, can't we just coexist? You know, all the different religions, can't we just all get to the same God together? I wish, but with this, with this statement with Jesus, it's open to everyone. The invitation's open to everyone, but he, he smashes that, that to pieces when he says, no, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the they're like, no one comes to the Father except through me. And my question for you today is, is it true? Who is he? Who is he to you? We've got three options, I think, when it comes to Jesus. One, he's a liar. And he even said it. He said, he said in John, he's like, hey, if I'm, gonna, I'm speaking truth, but if I tell you otherwise, I'm just the greatest liar as a liar as you are. And I would say, if Jesus knew that he was not God and was claiming all these things, not only was he as great a liar, he's like one of the greatest liars in all of history. Option number two, he's a lunatic. If he didn't know the difference between what he was doing and what he was saying, then he needed a lot of doctors and a lot of professional help to help him. Or option number three is true. That the things that he was claiming, and not just the things that he was saying, but the things that he was doing, were true. That he was who he claimed to be. God in the flesh. And you can only receive a relationship to God through him. Because he claimed to be the only way. How do you do that? It's a word called faith. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And it's not from yourselves. It is a gift from God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Who's Jesus? He's God. The only way. How do I have a relationship with Him? Through faith. You don't have to do a thing. It's called grace. Atheism. Ah, I don't know if I can quite check that box. Maybe it's true, but I, I, nobody lives that way. And, and if you do believe that, you hope not. You hope not. All other religions, if you if you boil it down, if you look at them, they're all about works. You got to do things. You got to earn it. 
you gotta, you got to do things to make God like you. Christianity with Jesus Christ is the only one that uses that word called grace. It is a gift from God. You do not have to earn it. And there's a key element that he says is faith. God loves every single one of us. You have value. You have purpose. And yes, when you are wronged, he wants justice. But he also wants justice when we have done wrong. Which is why he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for your sin, for my sin, when we have wronged God. And he says, you don't have to earn it. I've already done it. I've taken care of it. You just have to believe and receive it through faith. I can't prove to you the resurrection. I can't prove it to you scientifically. Although, I think if you need some good heart evidence, go do the research. Again, this, is, this has eternal consequences for every single one of us. If you want to go look at the evidence, I think it's overwhelming. You might be thinking, oh, well, maybe he didn't die. You know, he was on the cross, he had Saturday, maybe he was like close to death and somehow he just woke up. Listen, if you know anything about Rome, if you know anything about the Romans, you watched a movie or studied any history, these guys knew how to kill. That was their job. It was a sport. He was dead. And the disciples, the followers of Jesus, they had no earthly incentive. None. Zero. Whatsoever. To carry this thing on if it was not true. And the only difference that they have between us between us and them, the original disciples, they saw it. They, they listened to what this guy said. They saw it with their own eyes. And when they saw him die and they saw him raised from the grave, they had no incentive on earth to carry it on. But it was true. And they all died brutal deaths, pretty much all of them, because it was true. I think if you look at the evidence, it's overwhelming. But it is always going to require faith. And this is something that you practice every single day. You practiced it this morning. When you had a sip of coffee, you had faith that your spouse didn't poison it this morning. <laughs> they may have wanted to. <laughs> they could have. But you took that sip of, of, uh, of coffee or you had your breakfast trusting that your spouse didn't poison you this morning. Yeah, you took it by faith. You have faith in the government. You may laugh at that, but every one of you, when you take a dollar bill and you slide it across the counter, you have faith that that dollar has backing, that it's going to be received, that you're going to be able to buy what you want with that. I didn't see any one of you come in this morning and inspect your chair before you sit down to say, well, did the Creator do well? Is this thing going to, by faith, you just sat down and trusted? Listen, listen. You take that same faith, you take that same faith, and you put it into Jesus. Who are you, Jesus? Who are you, Jesus? You take that same faith and put it into Jesus, and then you will know who He is is you do not you do not get to experience the reality the full reality of something until you've placed your faith in it and it goes the same for Jesus 
when you put your faith on Him, He comes into your life. He transforms your life. He willingly forgives you of all your sins and welcomes you into a loving relationship. But when it's not until you place your faith in Him and then you will know that He is who He claims to be. And I cannot prove that to you scientifically. I wish I could, but I can't. But even if I didn't have any scientific evidence to back it, I would still trust Him. Because I know what Jesus has done in my life. When He has come into my life and made Himself known in an undeniable way, and how He has transformed my life. And not just my life. But there are millions upon millions of other people who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ. And then they know who He is. And it's undeniable to them as well. Who is Jesus? Who is He? There's one more I am about God that I love. The night before Jesus died on the cross, the night that he got arrested, he was praying. He was praying and he said, God, Father, if there's any other way, take this cup from me. I don't want to do this. I know what's before me. I don't want to do this. But he followed that up with, but not my will, your will be done. It's like God, like Jesus' could, nickname could be Will. Because I, he is, I am willing. I am willing to come to earth to live a perfect, sinless life for you. I am willing to sacrifice my life for you so that we can have a relationship. He is willing to take your place. That's what the cross is all about. That Jesus became sin. He said, I am sin on the cross. He took the wrath of God that you and I deserve and he placed it on himself so that we could have a relationship. He paid for it all, once and for all. Jesus is willing to forgive you of all your sin and have a loving relationship with you if you place your faith in him. The place of your shame is the place of His grace. The place of your failures is the place where you find freedom on the cross. And He didn't stay dead on the cross. On Sunday morning, early, He rose from the grave. He got back up. He got out of the tomb for you. You say, how do, I have, how, do, how do I initiate this relationship with God? How does this faith thing go? Romans 10.9 says a very clear, it's a pretty popular verse in talking about this. It says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, if you, and you believe in your heart, that faith process, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Confess with your mouth. Believe in your heart. Not up here. In your heart. You will be saved. The offer is open to everybody. Who 
Who's Jesus? Who is Jesus to you? Some of you are speaking to you right now. It's not an emotion. When, 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 when Jesus asked his disciples, said, who do, who do you say that I am? Peter said, you're the Messiah. You're the Savior. And in that moment, Jesus said, you, you've done good. And, and guess what, Peter? God, only God can place that into your heart. But that's God speaking directly to you. Who's Jesus to you this morning? You can reject him today, and that's fine. You can, you can, you can look at the evidence. You can look at things and say, no, I don't believe it. And that's fine. That's fine. Some of you can put it off till later and say, I'll, I'll deal with this another day. And that's fine. You can do that. But that's putting in your faith that we have another day. You're not promised tomorrow. One day we will see him face to face. And by that time it will be too late. Or, what I'm going to ask you to do today is that you can accept him today. That you can confess him with your mouth. That you can say, I'm going to believe in my heart that Jesus Christ died for me and he rose from the grave so that I could have a, a relationship with him because he loves me, not because he hates you. God's not disappointed in you. He did all of this with you in mind because he loves you. You're valued. You have purpose. You have meaning. And he wants that relationship with you. So I'm going to ask you, if God's speaking to you today, in a moment here, we're going to pray. We're going to ask that you accept him as your Lord and Savior. Say yes to what he's calling you to do. Let's bow our heads and let's pray together. Some of you right now, God's speaking to you. He's telling you. What's he telling you? He's not condemning you. He's saying he loves you. You might be asking, what are you holding on to that's dead? That thing in your life that you're holding on to. You say, what are you fighting so hard to hold on to that? Because as soon as you let go, you're going to find freedom. You're going to find grace. Will you accept that grace today? I want to invite you, if you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior today for the very first time, I'm going to ask that you would pray this prayer with me. 